the SA scene, taking you inside the Festival State's tennis community, thanks to the firstserve.com.au, your home of tennis. Welcome to edition one of season two of the SA scene. I'm Bevan Jones, where each month I take you inside the South Australian tennis community. In our first edition for 2023, I catch up with 13-year-old Liana Nana Panini after her success at the Australian Rafael Nadal Masters event in Melbourne. Outgoing tournament director of the Adelaide International, Ali McDonald, and Todd Langman, coach of Tanasi Kokonakis. Back in January, Liana Nana Panini of Port Pirie went over to Melbourne and won the Australian Rafael Nadal Masters event in the 12 and unders. I caught up with her about that experience and her tennis journey so far. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My absolute pleasure and a big congratulations, obviously, winning the Rafa Nadal Masters event recently in Melbourne. Tell us about the tournament, how it all went and what it was like to win such a, such a great tournament. I was just starting off with saying it was a great experience. Well, I absolutely loved the Melbourne environment. I really enjoyed playing there and I thought it was an amazing experience, especially since I did get to meet the legend himself. <laughs> I got to watch him train for two hours and then straight after he, we did a small Q&A with him. We took some photos and it was such a great experience. I was so excited to meet him. He's right up there, one of the greatest of all time, as we know. It's pretty amazing to be able to meet, meet the, the man himself. Yeah, it is. It is. I was so excited before I went there, completely jumping with joy. To win the tournament, that must feel pretty special as well, Liana. It was kind of hard for me at first because I had to adjust from grass to clay. I did the grass court nationals before that and won five out of six. The transition was a bit crazy at first since they two completely different layers of the court, but it was I eventually adjust and I got the hang of it. I had to win lots of matches though on my way to the final and I actually ended up beating the number one New Zealander, a quarter finalist in the Orange Bowl. Just, I think, last year, 12th age group. Oh. Australians compete against people from other countries in the Orange Bowl in America. It was a great moment for me. Uh, it was a great life experience, and I was so overwhelmed after it. I was so proud of myself because, obviously, I've been working towards things like this in the short run, but also along the journey, I want to achieve more bigger and grander things along the way, starting off with like ITFs, moving forward to junior Grand Slams, and then the big ones, the Grand Slams. Love your ambition and your, you know, your drive. It's amazing that someone's so young. Tell us about, obviously, by winning that tournament, now it means you're off to Spain to be part of the Rafa Nadal Academy. Tell us about being able to do this at such a young age, only 13 years old. Yeah, it was really good, actually. One of the things I, I'm so excited to go to Spain is it's so good to go to Rafa's homeland, train at his academy, meet new people, and possibly meet the man himself again. This kind of deal is where I, I get to train there for two weeks, all funded, like accommodations free, uh, food, um, travel, etc. It's all free. Obviously, the training's the main part, but it's where I obviously learn Rafa's values, train the way he does. You know, your first time overseas as well, Liana, and, and will you be taking your, your family too, or is it just by yourself? I'm not exactly sure what the whole plan is, but all I know is that this isn't my first overseas trip, but I'm really looking forward to doing this. Um, it's meant to be like an independent kind of trip, and I'm super excited to experience it all. When's it all happen? I'm not sure the dates, but I know it's sometime this year, probably early May, April. 
sometime then, maybe. And, and what happens in the lead-up? You, you've got some other tournaments coming up? Some big tournaments I have coming up is the Clay Court Nationals, and I've also got some ITFs coming up soon. This will be my third Clay Court Nationals that I'll go to this year. I actually do very well on clay. I actually do well on all surfaces. Uh, hard is my main strength, but clay I can adjust to very, very well. And tell us about your career so far. When did you first pick up a racket, and, and who was you know, your influence growing up? Was there someone in your family or friends that got you to play tennis, Liana? I used to do this kind of level of swimming at a very young age, competitive swimming. I used to do like national swimming. So I actually come from a town called Port Perry. It's not a very big one. The swimming pool shut down here for like two, three years. And it was being, like, redone, and I didn't have anywhere to train at the time because I, I stayed here for five days a week. Since I didn't have anywhere to train, I picked up a racket and did some land sports, and I picked up tennis, and from then we just went through with that. Dad ended up introducing me to tennis, by the way. He's been my rock and support, and so is my coach, Dominic, and, my, and behind the scenes, my sister and my mum have also been a lot of help in my career so far. The age I picked up a racket was eight years old. So you've sort of given up swimming and just focused on tennis? Yes, I did. It was it was a hard decision since I loved doing both equally, but at the end of the day, I realised tennis is what I most wanted to do. I went ahead with that, and I think I made the right choice. You mentioned before you, you coached by Dom. How did you first yeah. get involved with Dom, and, and tell us about your relationship with him? I met him around the same time as I just started tennis, like one year after I started. He is the best coach ever. I've been with him and I'm still with him to this day. Still the best coach ever. Me and my sister get trained by him two days a week and it's two hours weekly. And he's always joking around with us, trying to annoy us. <laughs> but he's at the same time, he's very firm and he pushes us to, the, to do the best we can. And what's your sister's name? We'll have to keep an eye out for her as well. Sister's Saisha. And actually, she just finished her Super Tens Nationals recently this year, and she did the coin toss at the AO for the women's semifinals. And Liana, recently you got to meet Jeff Brock, who's a minister of Port Pirie. Um, tell us about that experience and what that was like. Yes, I did actually, yes. And the experience was great. He's really helped me along the way, and he's really stood by me through my tennis career. Because you've always been a Port Pirie girl. That must be pretty amazing to have someone you know, like him in your corner as well, supporting you. And Yeah, it is. It's really good. I and appreciate all his support and him just keeping his patience and his time for me. So how did he first get to meet you and, and know about you and stuff, Liana? Okay, so it sort of started with, like, nationals and stuff like that, and then word spread around Port Perry fast that I was doing nationals and I've achieved so much. He heard some of those whispers and he reached out to my dad since my dad knew him very well completely supported me and was there for me since then. I heard a whisper from talking to your dad off air that you actually be mentioned in Parliament as well. That must be pretty cool. Yes, I have. Um, I just found out today that I have and, well, I was a bit surprised. But you'll take it though? Yep, I'll definitely take it. <laughs> I believe you travel something like 600 kilometres a week, is that correct? Yeah, we do. We travel every single Friday and uh, we come back every single Sunday. It does get a bit intense sometimes, and sometimes school has to be a bit missed out a bit, but it's good. It's really it's really good. Because Don's based in Adelaide, I presume, as well? 
Yes. Yeah. And also a lot of senior state league and junior state league matches happen down there, so some high-intensity matches in SA happen down there. So I get to play that every single Friday and Saturday. How good would that be for your own personal development? There are some pretty run-down courts here. Obviously, I've been training here for so long, and I've gotten used to it, and I've learned to adapt. Courts are basically concrete, and the nets have holes in it, and the paint's kind of weared off a bit on the lines and stuff, and it's really, like, low and hard and flat. Hence why coming to Adelaide's yeah. definitely a no-brainer. Yeah, I'm kind of scared of tripping over potholes when I'm on the court sometimes, but other than that, it's, it's fine. And you, you sort of touched on it briefly, Liana. Future aspirations, you know, do you want to go to college after you finish high school, or is it at this stage a, a bit too early to decide? So it is a bit too early to decide. My plan, obviously, I'm still young, but I really want to pursue as a professional. And then after that, I want to go to college because I also think studies and education is very important. My household has been always taught that no matter what you do, you just got to give it your all. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a that's a great attitude to have, and it sounds like you're you know heading in the right direction. And it's awesome that you've you got your sister there to to work together and and be coached by Dom is is just. Obviously, you can keep pushing each other as well, which is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. One thing about Dom as well is that he used to play professional tennis. So he used to be a star himself. Obviously, very close. Don't tell anyone, but I think I'm his favourite student. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he always keeps me motivated, especially in my like low moments. Nationals, he always pumps me up because he knows it's the big time to shine and stuff, especially at this age. And we're getting, like, pairing every week um, just to pursue my career in higher directions. Love it. And, and just finally, obviously, Ash Barty's retired now. Is Ash one of your idols, or is there sort of another player, like a male or female player, that you look up to other than, other than maybe Rafa? I don't have one in particular. I love Federer, Djokovic, Nadal. These three are absolutely legends. They have really been an asset to this game, and they've been dominating for obviously years now. And I did look up to Ash Barty, yes, because I love the way she plays, how she uses different styles, and how she's so smart on the court, and also really calm and relaxed. Well, Liana Nana Panini, thank you so much for joining us on the SA scene. It's really great to, to chat with you. It's amazing to think you're only 13 years old the way you talk. You've got a very bright future ahead of you. Keep up the great work. Uh, enjoy the Rafa Nadal Academy, and we we'll look forward to watching your star rise. Yes, thank you so much. Great to catch up with Liana, and we will follow her progress closely. To our next guest, who after this year's back-to-back -back Adelaide International, has stepped down as tournament director, reflecting with Alastair McDonald. Thanks for having me. Now, tell us about your role at the moment because uh, you've gone through a bit of change. I've been the tournament director of the LA International, but um, I've uh, taken a role with the, as the CEO of the Ben Motorsport Park in, uh, in Talent Bend, just outside of Adelaide. Was that a, a bit of a tough decision to leave tennis? It was great to be involved with the Adelaide International and Tennis Australia. And I've previously in Sydney and Melbourne, and you know, it's been a long relationship with the sport, and yeah, it's been great to see, you know, get the Adelaide event off the ground and and then see where it's got to now and with the new venue and everything it's just in a really good spot so um bittersweet but um yeah really, really i think um i think the event's live and well and we had a really good 2023 uh, i was lucky enough to you know play tennis growing up and lucky enough to go to college in the u.s and uh, college scholarship over there and came back worked in consulting and then got into kind of sports administration through Tennis Australia originally, and then with Tennis Australia in Melbourne and Sydney, and I'm lucky enough to run the Sydney International for a few years, and then came back and, and helped 
get the um, Adelaide International off the ground. So being an Adelaide boy, it was a great opportunity. And yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the 30 second tour of my <laughs> tennis life. So yeah, it's been really good. As I said, I played all the junior tournaments and nationals. I went to, lucky enough to go to the University of Texas, which I'm very proud to be a Longhorn. And, and then, you know, lucky, lucky to scrape a few points together after I finished, but um, worked out that I, I need to go get a, make a living somewhere. So, you know, I found the college pathway a really good opportunity for me because it enabled me to keep playing tennis at a really high level, I think, but also get some study behind me. Yeah, a lot of people sort of got, tend to go down that, that college path now, which I think is wonderful, and you're obviously a, a big advocate for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, everyone's experience is different, and you can't necessarily control that, but I, I can't speak highly enough of it to the opportunities that were given and friendships that I made, and, you know, we had a good group of guys, you know, a long time ago now that came through and played together, and it was just a great team atmosphere, and I love going to the university, learning that, uh, at the academic institution as well as just the opportunity to go train every day and kind of get put through college that way and then see a bit of America and travel around. It's just a great experience. And how do you feel this year's Adelaide International win? Obviously, no bigger player than Novak Djokovic. Looking back at it, and, and how was it received this year, Ali? I think we had a really good event, and I think, you know, having Novak here was... Um, you know, just fantastic. And, you know, I guess we weren't 100% sure how it was going to go, but um, uh, it ended up going um, really well. We had really strong crowds, and Novak was just massive. I mean, from day one, we put him on a day session, I think on the Wednesday, it might have been, and just, you know, every one of his sessions was full. His doubles match on court one, we couldn't possibly fit any more people, and, yeah, it was just a really good... He just set the tone of the event, I think. And, and looking back at the Adelaide International now, it must make you pretty proud to, to see the likes of Novak and, and you know, the, the list of players we had this year and, and how far the tournament's come. Just to see the numbers we had this year and the new venue, which everyone really enjoyed, and, you know, the new development's just fantastic. So, yeah, to, to have the calibre of not only Novak that we had, you know, to, to have players like... Andy Murray, Yannick Sinner, these players playing on the outside courts on court one was pretty pretty special in regards to how far the event's come in the four years that it's been running. So, yeah, hopefully it's going to continue to go from strength to strength and keep building. And um, I think the players love coming here. Adelaide's an easy city to not only live in but to visit. And the fact the hotel's across the road from, from the courts and the venue and they, they you know, we use utilise Adelaide Oval and the, the health club next door at Next Generation. It just all kind of works well. And looking back at your time at the, at the Adelaide International Alley, what have been some of your favourite memories aside from this year? I don't know what my favourite memories are, but certainly running the event during COVID was very interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I don't, don't know if that's something we'll ever, you know, hopefully we won't experience again, but, you know, it was a very unique uh, environment. You know, I felt like I was almost like a delivery delivery boy during those kind of couple of years of COVID because we just had to manage, you know, everything from food deliveries to testing to, you know, everything. So, I mean, I, I enjoy some of the, you know, probably one of my favourite memories actually this year was seeing Quana champ in the second week. He actually lost in qualifying in the second week and then we got him in to draw the lucky loser out because there were three chips for two lucky losers and he, he's actually on um, I think Instagram I think because he, he, he's coach videoed it and pulled out the first chip it wasn't his name and he was all nervous because there was a 50-50 chance and he pulled out his name with the second chip and he was running around the office kind of celebrating because he got in the, the draw and then he stayed and did the draw for the main draw they're pulling the chips out and he actually drew the guy that he lost to in qualifying 
that day. So the two of them who played the, that day ended up playing the next day in the main draw, the same two guys again. <laughs> um, and he actually won, and then he went on and won the whole tournament. So I think that's a pretty special memory. <laughs> and yeah. I was talking to his, him and his coach afterwards, and they just couldn't believe that, you know, he wasn't in the tournament, you know, five days ago, and now he was the winner. So it was, that was pretty cool. Just seeing these players come from the Adelaide International, and it's exciting for SA as well, I suppose, and, um, you know, the development of tennis in South Australia, seeing these players, like we just spoke about, the quarters and the like, who um, start off playing at the Adelaide International and then go on and do better and be- bigger things in Grand Slams. Yeah, I think that's been one of the really pleasing things. I think the event's kind of, you know, incrementally growing because the players come back year on year and they have a good experience. We, we, we spend a lot of time making sure that we can, um, you know, focus and make sure they, they looked after and that they really enjoy Adelaide. And I think when they come back year on year, and a lot of players have to now come back every year, um, I just think that builds really good goodwill with the event and then that leads to, you know, the bigger names coming and then the fans coming and I think there's a lot of momentum now with the event. I mean, to, to do two weeks, um, a men's and women's event in one city is a big ask and it's a big ask for the fans to come out but certainly the crowd numbers now are set up to suggest that, you know, if it goes back to being normal, which would be one week, men's and women's event that, you know, potentially we've just got the ability to, you know, fill most of the sessions if not all of them. So, it's a really good, I call it a boutique event, Adelaide. Like, it's a, it's a great, it's not the Australian Open, but, you know, if you can get up close and personal. You, you know, if you're in the corporate boxes, you're on the court. If you're a fan, you can literally sit on court one with four or five hundred other spectators and watch, you know, top ten players in the world. That's the reality. So it's a really kind of boutique kind of event right in the fringe of the city. So I, I think it's going to continue to grow from strength to strength. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and you know, covering it last year for the first serve, just seeing these players even you know practicing as well and getting so close to them and 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 like you said the players on the outside courts that the up-and-comers and and seeing the aussies got like edward winters and these sort of guys and and the girls as well like going really well it's just exciting isn't it i talk a lot to darren carl mark woodford and roger sheen and these guys and certainly you know it's not lost on these people who are from adelaide that that's how they grew up you know, watching, basically as a kid, they what they grew up going to the outside courts and hang on the side of the court and watching the players practice, not not just play matches, but practice and seeing what you need to do to be that good to compete at that level. So I, I do think that plays a massive part for our juniors, you know, to be able to, to get up that close and just see how hard they work, how much they sweat, how, you know, they don't leave anything to chance. And that's one thing. You know, when you have someone like Novak come to your event, that is one thing that certainly sticks out, that there is hardly a variable left that's left <laughs> to chance, if you know what I mean. Like, everything is just dissected and, and every movement is just tailored to make sure that he's got the best chance to win. And I think our genius being able to see that level of professionalism can only inspire and help them, you know, try to achieve their goals and if if someone if a junior is not interested in that kind of side of things they're probably in the wrong sport so yeah i just think it's incredibly important for the next generation double said and before we let you go you touched on it earlier um the feedback from the redevelopment of the driver i, I personally saw it sitting there as a spectator and and it's unbelievable the the setup now and how far memorial drivers come you know what sort of feedback did you receive this year from spectators and the like yeah i mean i just think people you know for, for a long time fans have grinded out those seats and um i just think people are pretty chuffed to be able to come and 
Um, it's a, you know, the, the canopy on the court and the atmosphere that that facilitates, like the noise level when Thanasi was playing or Novak was playing, just, you know, crazy the level. And I just, I think from the feedback I've had from people even on TV watching, it's just been the atmosphere was electric because I think the, the noise is just amplified with that canopy. All in all, I mean, I think the players just love the facility. I mean, in the end, each attribute on its own is okay, but when you add the whole thing up, which is the centre court, newly redeveloped with the canopy, you then add in Adelaide Oval where you've got the players eating in the McGarry room, which overlooks the river and the crows of power change rooms, and then you add in the Next Generation Health Club where you've got you know, a second court covered for fans and players and then all the outside courts and then the players can use the gym as well. It's a pretty amazing precinct. Um, and I think from the players, we get a lot of feedback on how good it is and how great it is just to walk across the bridge. Um, <laughs> and then from the fans, I think they, they, they just love the fact that, you know, rain, hail, or shine, you know, we're going to get matches away. And I think the players appreciate that too. Well, Elsa and McDonald's, you've done a, a marvellous job with the Adelaide International and, you know, well done everything you've done there and, and all the very best going forward. I'm sure the Bend will, will love to have you on board and I'm sure you do a great job there as well. No, thanks for your time. I really appreciate your support. The Adelaide International. It's been a, a great event, and we can't do it without the support of people like yourself. Great to catch up with Ali as he goes on a new path. To our final guest for this episode, we welcome back coach of Tanasi Kokonakis, Todd Langman, after his recent challenger success and his thoughts with UTR and the domestic tennis calendar. Planning out the year um, with with the team, and you know, obviously for the Australians, it's a hell of a long way to. To, to come back to Australia all the time. So uh, last year, he probably did that a little bit too much, he'll admit. And um, uh, this year, it was a matter of, um, you know, just trying to settle after the uh, Aussie summer and, you know, take a few weeks and, and, and spend some time with his family and friends and, um, you know, physically, obviously, keep keep going. But, um, yeah, just not, not chase so many tournaments immediately and, um, yeah, really set himself to uh, uh, be abroad you know, most of the year. And looking back at the Aussie Open and the Adelaide International, pretty happy with how Tanasi went. And- yeah, I mean, Tanasi's done a pretty good job in the summer. He, he put himself into, um, you know, pretty much every match he lost. He was, um, you know, in, in great positions to to be able to win uh, these matches. And, and you know, talking uh, about beating guys like Sinner and, you know, legends like uh, Murray, um, I think if Tanasi can uh, keep doing the right thing and, keep getting more matches under his belt. Hopefully the uh, tight ones start going our way and, um, you know, he, he makes runs in, in, in bigger tournaments. But, you know, it wasn't really a surprise for me. Um, obviously, there was pressure from the previous year with um, coming back and, and defending, obviously, a, a good um, Adelaide the previous year. But, you know, he's been, you know, um, putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, he's been out and about for a few years now, injury-free, and, um, you know, we, we're really happy with his progress. So, yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a surprise that he's playing good tennis and, and we look forward uh, to having a really big year in uh, 2023. You know, main draw is where you want to be. You know, with losing a lot of points, well, potentially he could have lost a lot of points in January, but did a great job defending and obviously winning here now in uh, Bahrain. 
has really helped his ranking. He he really only has one one major uh, you know point deduction coming off for the rest of the year. And, and what's the lead up? You know, obviously I mentioned those Grand Slams. What's what else is to look forward to say in the next few months for Tanasi? Yeah, so this is just uh, week one of um of our trip, uh, our first uh, overseas stint, and um you know in this trip we we uh, obviously had uh, Manama uh, Doha, which we couldn't play because he went through you know still in the tournament here and. Quali started in Doha, so he's he's pulled out of that one. Going to play Dubai, uh, which is a 500. Then we'll head across to uh, Indian Wells. Um, there's a, a 175 challenger in between uh, Indian Wells and Miami. Um, so if he's not in Indian Wells, he'll play that. And then, um, yeah, he'll play Miami again, which is where he did well last year and, um, you know, try and defend those points. And if he does that, he's really um, got nothing to defend for the uh, rest of the year. So it's all, uh, it's all upside. As a coach, Todd, UTR, what's your thoughts on it? How do you feel as though it's going at the moment and, and perhaps a bit of feedback about it? I'm pretty heavily involved in, in local um, tennis back in Adelaide as well. Um, and we've got a lot of kids, um, you know, we're trying to get them to play tennis. And yeah, it seems to be a challenge at the minute. And you know, we're getting kids potentially not playing matches because their UTR can't move forward. We got, you know, there's there's kids I know of that have played junior grand slams and and have then decided not to play on a Saturday against a, a quality opposition, but the opposition's UTR wasn't high enough, so you know they decided not to play because their UTR can't move forward, and then it, it would only you know go backwards if they didn't um, get their result. So and then they're looking at going to college. So you know, I think when you're young. You know, the goal should be to play as many matches as you can and gain as much experience and, and keep competing as best you can. And I'm not really seeing that the way that the UTR is set up that, or maybe it's just the way we've been educated on it. I'm not too sure. But for me, I really was, you know, I, I enjoyed the system that Thanasi came through and the one that, you know, I came through where we had, you know, your Australian ranking points and your 12s and your 14s and your 16s and, you know, your bigger draw sizes. And, you know, I can only speak for what we did with Thanasi and, and that was, you know, we moved him uh, up an age group, you know, once he had either made final uh, or won the tournament. And once he had done that, we'd, we'd taken a step to the, the next age group. And, and I felt like that that was okay. But yeah, for this UTR one, I, I see, see some kids at local tournaments now with, you know, they're playing their UTR bracket of player. And sometimes the, there's a significant age gap between uh, the kids. I think that can sometimes do some harm if if the UTR is slightly off and the the, the bigger go, kid goes out and uh, gives the younger child a, a beat down and you know the the younger boy or girl doesn't respond well you know we can potentially lose that kid to the sport so I guess that can happen also in in regular tournaments but I just think playing someone of your age you know you know probably your physical size is probably a safer way to potentially keep the kids in the sport so I'm not a huge one on it to be honest with the UTR. UTR. I, I was uh, not sure about it and maybe it's working overseas in other places but for me in in Adelaide I, I don't see that it's uh, working too well we're having a lot of issues at club level because I don't believe UTR is 100% obviously accurate it's recording matches but then you're you're losing a lot of the older guys that quite frankly can't play because they have families and 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 you know full work full-time work and you know if they're choosing not to play as much their UTR is being heavily affected all of a sudden they're trying to play uh, in a team with their mates and yeah it's really affecting uh 
I guess, their gradings at club level too. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what the answer is, but I think each state, you know, need to look at their own competitions and and, and probably, um, I guess, the organisers need to have a, a really clear picture of, you know, the uh, players that have been around in the past and really uh, understand their landscape and, you know, maybe it's different state to state, but, you know, for me in South Australia, I'm, I'm not buying into it at the moment and I don't really like the way the, the, the SA competitions are, is, is actually heading. And 12 months in with the Australian play calendar, what's your thoughts on that, Todd? I haven't studied it a hell of a lot, to be honest. If we're talking about, you know, trying to put out professional players, um, you know, the, the, the quick answer is, you know, you look at Ben Shelton, who, who hadn't left America, and, you know, he, his ranking was, you know, inside the top 100 before he made his first trip to Australia this year and gone on and made a, a fourth round, I think, and now he's 45 in the world. So, you know, with the calendar side of things, I, I, I just see that, you know, and, until we're able to put a hell of a lot more challenger events in play, I just believe it's going to be quite hard for, you know, the Australians to continue to, go overseas and, and, and play and, and collect their points over there continuously and, and spend a lot of money. And, yeah, it's just it's just tough going. And speaking of tough going, you spend a long time on the road, obviously. How's someone with a young daughter, you know, like cope with that, mate? It must be pretty challenging. And I know we've got Zoom, which I'm on with you right now, which is fantastic. But it must be difficult, though. It, it is very difficult. It's funny, like it's 20 years this year with Thanasi and and – you know, my daughter just messaged me as we're speaking saying, Dad, the Netflix has switched off. My wife is actually, yeah, she flies and, you know, she's down in Port Lincoln and, you know, we've got family that, you know, grandparents that have to go over and, and, and stay with, you know, my daughters. And, yeah, it's a real family affair and it's, it's you know, really challenging. And, you know, my wife is unbelievable and massively supportive of what I'm doing. And without her, I, I just wouldn't be able to do it at all. So, you know, obviously, you know, she's basically key to me being able to do what I do on the road with Thanasi and you know it's not going to be forever but for now it's just yeah it's quite challenging but now both of our girls are in school it's it's probably a little bit easier when we're doing doing different drop-offs and and that that was challenging but yeah with um with the young family it's definitely uh hard work when will you be back in Adelaide you'd be sort of on the road now for a few months or you sort of come back in between or how does it all work we basically left a week and a half ago from Melbourne Probably going to be a six-week trip to, um, you know, uh, through to the end of Miami. Come home, and Thanasi is going to come home as well. It's going to be his birthday. His um, his sister just had a, a beautiful baby, an uncle. So he wants to, um, you know, go home and spend some time uh, there. And yeah, that's um, going to be uh, just after Miami. So yeah, we'll spend a couple of weeks, and then we'll head off uh, to Europe and get ready for the clay stint, and hopefully, um, really have a good uh, run at Roland Garros. And looking back at the last few years, like you mentioned before, Todd, Tanasi's been through so many injury battles and, you know, his mental health issues, understandably, through these injuries. But uh, you must be pretty proud of him to see where he is at the moment. And his determination and persistence is just incredible. And it's obviously a credit to you and the fitness staff and the whole team that's got him to where he is today. As he's getting older, he's realising, obviously, also that, you know, time, you know, he's not young forever. And, you know, he really has... Um, He's got some goals of, you know, let's see how far he can get his ranking. And, um, you know, he, he, he'll he admit himself he doesn't love the sport. Um, there's a lot of things he loves about the sport. And, and obviously times of playing the Grand Slams and, and playing the matches like Andy. And, you know, he's obviously beaten Roger and these are great things. But, 
you know, I guess the stuff that people don't see, you know, they, they don't see the, you know, the eight week stint, you know, where you've taken, you know, eight tough losses in a row, first rounds and, you know, you're really battling and, and finances are tough and, um, yeah, it, it's challenging. So yeah, it's a credit to him to, um, you know, persevere with it. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I said to him, uh, after, you know, this, this first week, because he was really struggling basically from the quarterfinal, I'd say serving at 60%. And, and so he was able to just, you know, get through some really good players, um, serving, you know, not anywhere near his um, full capacity and, and he did a great job and, but again, it's, it, it takes its toll on him <laughs> mentally. Um, you know, he knows that if he's firing, he, he can beat a lot of these players probably a little bit more comfortably. But, you know, I think any elite sportsman will tell you that, you know, it's just, um, you know, there might be a couple of weeks a year that, you know, you're going to feel 100% fit and, um, you know, there'll be no niggles and that's just um, elite sport. So, yeah, I thought he, he did a great job this week battling himself and his mind and, and, and getting through. Um, and winning a title, which is, you know, it's his second biggest title. Uh, obviously, Adelaide was his first big one, and and this is a 125 challenger, which is which is really huge. Before I let you go, Todd, I just want to ask you as well, you raised a really good point before, and it's been something that's spoke, been spoken about quite a bit lately in the tennis community, and that's the, the challenges that these players have don't get that financial support that some of these other big guns do. What do we have to do in tennis, you think, to be able to help these up-and-comers in the world of tennis, male or female players, to be able to get to that level and, and be able to survive? Because, like you mentioned, it's really tough, and a lot of the players just can't do it and then obviously go off and do other careers, which you don't want to lose these players with this much talent as well, do you? So, yeah, it's a real hard one. You know, I've done this for a long time now and obviously extremely passionate about Australian tennis and, you know, the role models that we've had and and, and the great players in Leighton and Philippousis and Rafter and, and a lot of these great players have, um, you know, they, they've, they have had some support financially and, and uh, Leighton was obviously world number one at such a young age. So, you know, finance for him probably wasn't really going to be a, an issue. And, and you know, Bernard had a, a lot of support from Tennis Australia, IMG and, you know, some sponsors. But, you know, for the majority, it's, um you know, it, it really is tough going. And, and I think that, you know, if you, if you look at the amount of tournaments that are played in countries like Italy or America, uh, I'm not talking about futures. I'm talking about challenges where, you know, the points are, are significant and if you, you know, you, you, you're winning them, you're picking up 80 to uh, 125 points like Fanasi did yesterday, that makes significant change to your ranking. And, and really, until I see um, Australia putting a lot more challenges on the calendar in Australia, yeah, it's going to be really tough for, for the, uh, I guess, a lot of players to, um, I guess, um, move their rankings up into a position where they can play the qualifying of you know, the other slam events. And, you know, I guess it's the funnel system. We want to we want to try and make sure that we've got a lot of people, you know, obviously at grassroots, which is is fantastic and, and playing hot shots. But then, you know, at 17, 18, 19, 20, when, you know, their friends are going off playing, uh, sorry, going to university and getting degrees and, and then moving on into the workforce and, and picking up salaries, we need to do a better job, I believe, of, of being able to provide an opportunity for the players to earn money within Australia so then and, and ranking points so that when they do leave, they actually go, okay, well, we can go 
away knowing that we're going to play the the slam qualifying and and basically that means that we need to get their rankings inside 250 so for that to happen um the only way that will happen with you know enough players is we need to provide more tournaments for them to play and you know i look at the calendar often i scratch my head we do have uh you know we've got some tournaments no doubt and tennis australia i guess they're doing their best to to put these events on but I look at some of the places that these tournaments are played and obviously a lot of them are, are put in, you know, tough places to get to. And, you know, a lot, a lot of times um, getting to places in Darwin or, or Cairns and, you know, these these very regional places uh, are, are quite expensive. And, and actually then also the players not only are just going to have to get there, they're going to have to, uh, you know, pay for accommodation. You know, that's also very expensive. So if we can put more tournaments, uh, I guess, you know, in the metro areas, um, so then, you know, the players, you know, can stay with family or friends or, you know, you know find cheaper accommodation and, and it is easier to get to the, the major cities, I think that would really help the, the players. And, you know, I'm a big one on the mature age players. Everyone always talks about, you know, the next young upcoming superstar. And, and for me, it's like, you know that that's all well and good, but you know what you're looking for, I believe, is is when do the players actually mature um, mentally, not just physically and tennis ability, um, but when are they actually maturing? And and a lot of the times, you know, it, it's it's later. So you know we're giving out a lot of opportunities, you know, at slam level to young guys who, quite honestly, I question whether physically, mentally, um, and tennis ability are, are actually ready and. You know, I really like the uh, mature age athlete. I know the the lifespan of them, you know, it won't be as long, but I think if we can get these guys staying in the sport at 26, 27, um, and and physically they've developed, uh, they're probably playing a lot better tennis than than they were at 17. And then, um, you know, we need those guys playing better tennis and then pushing the younger group that are coming through at the the tournaments uh, within Australia. And then the standard obviously, um, you know, increases and the flow on effect uh, starts to happen in terms of, you know, the quality of players that we're putting out at a, a younger age. So, you know, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the mature age uh, tennis player uh, getting support as well. Um, you know, getting the, the tournament, more tournaments, not so regional any for a lot of the young, a lot of the players, so. I just think, you know how all the tournaments are in Cairns and, you know, all these tough places to get to. Always great to get some insights from Todd Langman, coach of Tanasi Kokonakis. Thanks for tuning in for the first of our monthly SAC podcasts for 2023. If you have a guest idea, drop us a line at thefirstservesen at gmail.com. That's thefirstservesen at gmail.com. Catch you next time. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.